What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. An episode, a conversation, if you will, with a marketer talking about how they're delivering their content to their audience at the right time, and this is a good one. I got Katherine Martin, growth marketer at Narrative Science, talking about how she's thinking about connecting with her audience through strategic content delivery and something she's working on called content-based networking. That caught my attention when she shot that over to me in a LinkedIn message, and I said, you know what, Catherine? I need to learn more about this. Catherine and I go way back. We used to work together. Um, I reached out to her as when I was spinning up this podcast because I know she's always thinking about innovative ways to reach out to the audience, and I learned a ton from this one. Make sure... If you like what you hear on this, hit that subscribe button. What are you doing? Show your support for the show. If you want to be so kind, why don't you leave us a review? Follow us at Meet Fathom on Twitter. Definitely do that at the 3C Podcast on Instagram and TikTok, getting those social channels going. And also, if you're a content consumer out there, and I think you are if you're listening to the 3C Podcast, go join the waitlist at meetfathom.com. We want you to be the first to know when we're dropping new news about our product and the experience that we're going to be delivering to content consumers like you. So if you like the show, a lot of what we're doing on the show translates to what we'll be doing with our future products. So man, I'm excited about the work we're doing. Mighty team of five, making it happen. Everyone's involved in the content. It's been so much fun. I'm having a blast. Um, I'm having a blast talking with people like you, the marketers out there, my people. This is such a fun community, just getting back into the game and learning. I am. I have these people, I have these marketers on the podcast so I can build content and share it, but I'm learning just as much as you. So without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. We have another conversation with a very smart marketer talking about content and content distribution. This is a marketer. This is a trend on the show. This is a marketer I used to work with at a couple different places. So bringing in all my old teammates at the beginning, I'm, I'm curious and I want to listen in on what they're doing. So without further ado, I've got Catherine Martin with Narrative Science. Catherine, how are you? Good. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah, uh, it should be a lot of fun. It's nice catching up again. It, it, it has been nice catching up. Now, I guess before we get into the uh, marketing talk, we you moved from Chicago back to Indianapolis. Um, how has li- that life transition gone so far? Good. Yeah, it's kind of wild. You know, one of those things where now that narrative science is remote first, we can live anywhere. And Nice to come back to my indie roots. I will say it, it's a little bit of a, a culture shock. Chicago's a little bit more locked down than we tend to be here uh, in Indianapolis, but I'm excited to be close to family again and be back in my favorite city and happy to be here. <laughs> That's awesome. So so I, again, one more, just because I'm curious, what what is one thing you will miss from living in Chicago? Yeah. And what is one thing that since you've been back home in Indianapolis that you've you missed while you're in Chicago, but enjoy now? Yeah, gosh, this is really niche. But if you're ever in the Lincoln Park area um, and if anyone's listening from San Francisco, you're going to know right away. uh, Phil's Coffee, if you've ever had it before, it is literally the best coffee shop I've ever been to. And I am a coffee connoisseur. So I will miss being walking distance from a Phil's. 
I literally have a coffee bean subscription from them because that is just how much I like it. And I'm not like committed to like really niche subscriptions like that, especially when it's in the mail. Um, so I will miss Phil's. Did you ask what I'm excited about being back here too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a hype indie. Right, for sure. Well, it's crazy. I mean, I live in the same neighborhood I lived in before and it feels like years of, uh, and I've been, been gone for maybe almost two years now. It, it feels like years of development has happened in just a short period of time. I think India has so much momentum, like with things like the, the Bottle Works District, which if you don't know what that is, because you're not from India, you should look it up because it's pretty cool to just, you know, the local businesses here that, that are just popping up, even though I know it's a hard, hard time for them. Just being around that momentum, I think we get. And I think you know that being at uh, one of the rocket ships of any uh, a high alpha company. So there's there's that momentum there too from that brand. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited to be in the new spot and definitely um, with quarantine, haven't uh, been inside the new office space yet, but certainly have run by it. And that area is just popping. You've got the new hotel there's restaurants and a new movie theater. So yeah, it, which is that. cool. In, <laughs> I know. in 2020, 2021, there'd be a new movie theater, but it looks cool. Haven't been. <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't either, but my <laughs> wife has with her mom and she said it's yeah. cre- incredible. So what maybe let's, first of all, let's talk about narrative science. Let's get into the, that first, what are you guys doing and, and who are you typically working with? Yeah. So at narrative science, We believe that data should be consumable by everyone, that the way that we get to data, uh, especially as functional business people, like as marketers like ourselves, you know, dashboards simply aren't good enough. They're confusing. They're easily misinterpreted. And we often rely on data people to tell us how to use them. There's a better way for that. So we are focusing on enabling teams that build dashboards to actually provide data to their users in stories. So think like Apple News, but for your business data. So, you know, you never have to look at a Salesforce dashboard again. You can get that in just a quick summary. So we work mostly with analytics leaders, people who are enabling an organization to use data that are really focused on adoption and making sure you're making smart choices, not just choices on gut. But we also work with functional business leaders on how they can get their teams to be more data-driven. It sounds like you're bringing together the right and the left brain yeah. of marketing. That's incredible. And I, I love that. That's a cool way to, uh, it's a cool problem you're solving and a cool way to do it. And in your role, obviously you're a marketer within that organization. And just from us chopping it up, it kind of sounds like you're, you know, you've got, you wear several different hats with, you know, a little demand gen, a little content, maybe talk about like how you spend your time. Yeah. So I moved into uh, a full demand gen role back in uh, December. So this is kind of a new ownership position for me on our our overall demand gen strategy, but our team uh, is split. We have product marketing, we have content marketing and brand, and then we have uh, kind of me over in demand gen. Brand and demand gen work really closely together. We work with obviously product marketing closely too as well. Um, but they're sort of bucketed up to ahead of product marketing and we're bucketed up to ahead of growth. So that's our split. My role specifically is owning, you know, pipeline, close one new business, and then reverse engineering that into how many requested demos do we need each month. Uh, are they coming from the right people? 
and where do we find them? And um, you may think that that might be things like, I think a lot of people, when they think of conversion metrics like that and being tied to pipeline and revenue, they think I'm doing like maybe like outbound and <laughs> things like that too. That is not true. Uh, I am a firm believer that, especially in 2021, that brand is going to be the thing that drives demand moving forward. Outbound's dying, in-person events are dying. If you're doing ABM by just mailing people <laughs> that you don't even know, packages to maybe an old address, you're not really doing ABM. So for me, demand gen is a lot more about relationship building and brand building. So I do do some content creation as well. But a lot of that has to do with honing in our message, talking to our, our buyers and about things that they actually care about, things like that. So what I love about what you just said is that you are taking a point of view and a stance on the market and saying that this is this old way of doing things, you might be doing it now, but it's, it's, it might be working a little bit, but your time, the clock is running out. The time is ticking. Yeah. And right. Like I think, you know, the example of just, you know, direct mail in that being an ABM strategy. Well, during COVID, most people that I'm sure you're trying to reach out to are probably not in their office, but at, at home. So you got to think about things a little bit differently. For sure. Is your such a re, strong uh, stance and reaction to that based on COVID and you working remotely? Or has this been a, kind of a long, long time coming? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's learnings that have compounded over time. And I think anyone in demand gen knows that it's a lot of testing. And so you have a hypothesis of what you think is going to work and then you do it and it either fails horribly or, or it shows you a little light in the right direction. So for me, I think it's compounding learning, knowing that like in the times in my life where I have thought of this really creative idea and I, and I thought it was going to land and really lead to an, a certain outcome where maybe it was a direct mail campaign and it just didn't react that way. Being able to try something a little bit different than that. And for us recently, you know, getting creative with how we build relationships with people, which is something that, you know, we talked about in our pre-call, how do we create content with the people that we want to talk to, make them feel important as an ABM tactic and how that ultimately leads to pipeline and revenue. Like those learnings to me have just given me that stance that brand and content and, and being helpful first creating relationships first, tying your message to a problem, not your product features. Those are the things that really matter. But it can be easy to fall into what you think other B2B marketers are doing, what you should be doing. And I saw this on LinkedIn. I think it's so true. You know, if you're just looking at what your competitors are doing and trying to model that as how you create content or, or how you get to your ideal customer, like newsflash, they don't know what they're doing either. So they could be wrong. Uh <laughs> I, 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 you're tugging at my heartstrings there with what you just uh, described, and I could not agree more. And maybe to give the listeners a little bit of background. So when I announced on LinkedIn that I was joining a new company, um, Catherine, we exchanged some messages, and one of the messages, one of the, one of the things in her message that caught my attention was, "Hey, like we're doing cool stuff. We've got this thing going. It's called content-based networking." 
And, you know, that might be like the buzziest of buzz terms, but I had, I had never heard it and I, I didn't even need to look it up. I just knew working with Catherine, it's got to be something cool. And I was curious and interested. So like the headline of this show is definitely going to have something with content-based networking in it. But maybe maybe before we get into like the all the specifics, maybe talk about the, the strategy and the general overview with what that means. Yeah, of course. So this is one of those things. It's like the first time you found out about ABM before ABM was cool. Like the light bulb just went off when I, when I learned about it and I was like, I need to be doing this. This makes so much sense to me. So content-based networking um, is not an original idea by me. It's uh, James Carberry is the, the author of a book all about content-based networking. So Google his name, you'll find the book. I highly recommend you read it. He's also the owner of Sweetfish Media, which is a podcasting agency. Great guy to follow on LinkedIn as a marketer. He came up with this concept, content-based networking. And the idea is that you, instead of creating content, like you creating content for your audience and just trying to get them to read it or, or have them care about it, hope they care about it, you create content with your your audience, the people that you want to sell to, your ideal customer, you create and feature them. Not only is it a great way to build a strong relationship with them, but it's also a way to make them feel good and, and be important. And the end result is one, a relationship, but then also two, probably better content. I know in being in positions, especially as someone who's marketing to analytics leaders and data scientists, like I don't know what they care. I'm not a data scientist. I can't tell them how to how to do their job or um, how to be better at their job. I am not a data scientist. It's much better for me to start a podcast, for example, where we feature chief data officers who talk about actual concrete things that they've implemented. Might not be super close to what our product does, but we're definitely going to have more data scientists listening to that than me uh, writing a piece that's not very good and in, in, in that same realm. Yeah. So here's a little hack for everybody. Your customers, they like to talk about what they do and how they do it. So <laughs> as the marketer, it's our job to just give them the damn platform and have them talk about what they do. Not it makes them feel good. It helps build a relationship. Um, that's a whole lot better entry point than I'm assuming just sending a cold email and trying to get them to watch a demo, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know, I'm at the mindset now as someone who believes that brand is going to be the thing that drives demand. That that outbound is going to be less and less successful over time. That you know, you're not going to be able to force people to convert. But what you can control is helping them, having a relationship with them, and then being there when they need you. And I think in doing this, you create that opportunity. You know, you'll have a hook and you'll have an ask that you put out there. It's a hell of a lot easier to get them to say yes when they already like you. So <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. And yeah, I mean, for us, like, a lot of the people that we've had on our podcast, for example, who aren't our clients will oftentimes ask us what we do afterward if they don't already know, or they will already kind of know what we do and say, hey, I actually was already thinking about this. Can I talk to you about it? And, and those opportunities will come from there too as well without us even having to make the ask, which is a lot easier on our end and also like a lot less salesy, which I think people sometimes can get turned off too. And sales is hard. I don't envy sales. 
<laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. It's the simple psychology of reciprocity. It's like, you know, you're, you know, you're, it's the example I always turn to is when you're walking in the grocery store and they don't do this so much anymore during COVID, but when COVID wasn't a thing, you know, there'd be the lady with her candied bacon and you'd walk by and it would smell really good. And she'd ask you if you wanted to try some and you might not have eaten lunch. So you take a bite of it. And then she afterwards gets into her pitch about what it is. Well, you're more likely to listen to the pitch after you've tasted the good candied bacon. So yeah. that that's kind of what's likely to take some home with you. Right. That's, after that. <laughs> that's exactly right. So you, I, I think this strategy makes a lot of sense. I have never really, I never really thought about it, but you know, previous stop, same deal, right? My, where the, the product and where I was focused was in K-12 education. I'm not a, an educator, but I needed people to help talk and validate what we were doing. So that, that, that all resonates and clicks with me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can get in. You talked about off offline. We talked about the example of like the, your, the book, maybe yeah. get into the book and talk about that tactic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So as someone who's in demand gen and I'm looking at metrics regularly and I'm, I'm trying to think about, you know, our goals and, and how much volume we need. One of the things I'm thinking about is where that's coming from. And we we started content based networking with a podcast, which we only could produce once a week. And so that's only four people I can talk to. And let's say one or two of them raised their hand. I knew I needed more volume for our content based networking effort to be worth it. And we just, as a team, even though I would love to do a daily podcast, didn't have the bandwidth um, to produce that. So we came up with an idea um, to create a book. And we wanted the book to tie to kind of the problem that we constantly talk about and, and kind of pull on people's heartstrings, and that's data adoption. So I built a list by looking in our database of people who were really engaged in our product, had maybe a high engagement score, people who were the right um, seniority. For, um, for us and who we wanted to, to talk to, ideal pie in the sky, who are the right types of companies. And I started by building that list out. And these are people that I, re- I was going to reach out to and invite to participate in a book that we were producing. And we were going to ask them questions about data adoption and turn that into content and then release that as this, you know, these smart playbooks for data adoption by leaders from companies like Cisco and you know, Apple and some of these big names that we were able to pull just through relationships. So that was the general idea. But before I reached out to our ideal list, the people that I wanted to have be on the ebook, um, I actually pulled in some influencers in the space first and got them to agree to be a part of it. I even repurposed some old webinars that we had with influencers, got their approval, um, had those be some of the initial tips. So that when I reached out to these people and said, hey, do you want to participate? I was able to drop a few names in there that in their field they would recognize and would want to or feel good about being side by side with. So in the end, we ended up interviewing a total of, of 15 people, um, which was our pilot. We, we um, I think we're going to do another one next quarter, hopefully get up to maybe that 30 number if we can. And we were just interviewing them over Zoom. We would distill that in the transcript down into a quick paragraph or two, um, try to keep them all really different. So we try to ask questions like, what's something that people get wrong? Or what's something that like is common practice, but um, you just think is like dumb or something like that, like trying to get it really tactical, tangible tips. Met with everyone, wrote the book and produced it. And 
we had a lot of people share it on social. So it went even further into their networks. I actually think when you target people that maybe aren't influencers, you tend to get a little bit more reach from the, the people who will share it on your behalf as well. So that was a nice added benefit. But at the end of the project, we're able to create conversations with sales from that cohort without even having to ask. And that was ultimately the goal. So it's, it's a really fun, I think, great way to apply a relationship building strategy to account-based marketing that maybe people don't think of when you Google, like, I want to do an account-based marketing uh, campaign. It's going to tell you to send people things in the mail and to run paid ads, which you can certainly do that. But I think this is a stronger relationship building tactic. I love it too. And I love the fact that it's, it's, Spending a little time on the, the the research and the strategy and trying to figure out what will work best for you in your market as opposed to the yeah. general what's out in Google and what everyone is reading and trying to fit, fit a, uh, a, a square peg in a round hole. And just a couple other things that I, I like about it is one, like it's hand-to-hand combat. Like you're, it's, you're not trying to go out and generate a hundred leads that might not be great just because you want a high volume and a high number. Like you're being very strategic and based on the time spent, you're, you're, you're just being very thoughtful with it. And then I guess the final takeaway for me is like the content distribution is directly, <laughs> directly to the people you yeah. want to be uh, a customer and involving them in the process. And I think that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. And they feel like rock stars because it's like them up against this like, you know, uh, this old VP from like this huge company that they know who always speaks at like Tableau conference or something like that. Like, you know, you get them to to feel like that same feeling of importance and, and they love it. And, and something that you said that I, I mean, I totally agree with this idea that like you could easily go out and just get a hundred leads, but who knows if they're good. Like, I think in the content space, sometimes the metrics we look at are just the ones that are easiest for us to measure. So, you know, just getting lead volume, or if you're hosting a podcast, getting as many people to download and listen as possible, or if you're writing a blog, maybe getting as much traffic as possible. Those might be the wrong metrics to look at. They're certainly the easiest to measure, but they're just vanity metrics. And you know, our podcast may not have hundreds of thousands of listeners. Um, we certainly track subscribers. But what's more important to us is the relationships that we create in interviewing them. So it's okay if we don't have thousands of downloads every single week. That's not what we're in it for. Um, we certainly hope our listeners get that value from it. But we've learned a lot as a marketing team on our messaging too, even just from having those conversations. But bonus, some of those conversations turn into sales conversations as well. And, and that's what we're really in it for. Same with this book. Like, you know, we ended up having, um, I think a little over, or I think a little around a thousand people download it, which was awesome and love that. Great. But like, that doesn't matter as much as those sales conversations that we created. And I, you know, I think the primary goal as someone in demand gen who um, focuses on brand and content sometimes when I can is really still pipeline of revenue. So I, I try not to to forget that. I just like, I just, I just want to like crank up Kendrick Lamar right now and just like, like throw my hands up and start to party with that take because it's, it's so good. And it's so real. Everyone is so stuck on the number and the volume, but the most important thing is the engagement and yeah. it, the we're all in these 
not thinking about the market as a whole, like focusing in on your segment and delivering at, to your segment first class and give, providing that value, not being one to all, but being focused. And that's what I hear you saying. And it sounds like what you know, the narrative science team is doing in order to go to market. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, as marketers, like we maybe put ourselves in that situation. Like we can't let ourselves off the hook. Like, you know, the, the reason why a, a CEO might be coming to us and saying, why is web traffic down might be because we need to educate uh, the other stakeholders on what's actually important. And, you know, the size of our podcast subscribers list or our newsletter list, like we have to communicate to them that that's not actually what we should care about. And, and here's what we should care about. So, but yeah, I mean, a narrative science, I think I'm really fortunate to to have a team and, and leadership that really understands that that the most important goal is, you know, customers at the end of the day, happy customers and, and all of the things that trickle back into that, which include happy potential new clients as well, which is what I tend to focus more on, but, but all of that for sure. All right, let's close out with this. Give me um, one more, give me one more take of what needs to stop in B2B marketing and then finish with what is something that you think people need to be focusing more time on? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I feel like <laughs> maybe I have too many hot takes, but um, <laughs> I think one, someone listening needs to hear this. Stop copying B2B marketing best practices. You're going to end up doing the wrong thing and failing faster than maybe you would if you actually just tried to think of something different. Um, try to think of something that other people aren't doing. That would be my recommendation. I think one of the realizations that I had this year back in March when we decided to do a virtual summit, even though I know that now everyone's doing virtual summits and there are lots of hot takes on virtual summits, but just like going for it, taking the risk and doing something a little different was like such a huge moment for our community building that I like think back to, man, I need to take more risk. I need to stop just doing the same thing. So um, don't just copy what other B2B marketing companies are doing because you think that's what you should do as a B2B marketer. Um, same with B2C marketing. It's probably something different you could be doing too for those listening that are B2C marketing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's simple, but it's the old Apple slogan, think different, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, now, now f- close with this one. Close with like, what what is... Uh, what maybe what is something that you're working on or something new you're doing that you're like, oh, this might have some legs and it might become kind of a broader strategy for me that you think other marketers, content marketers need to hear? Yeah, we've been dabbling with these smaller events, which I think everyone else also trying to do too as well. But recently building a list of people that we think could be like good for our product, also pairing in clients and bringing together people for a small group events, like maybe it's a roundtable discussion on a topic that's valued to them, doing things like introducing them all on LinkedIn to one another ahead of time, like doing things that you would do if maybe you were in, like, I I think we're both in the revenue collective, like something like that, like something that feels more like what you would take on as an individual for your own career development. Like how can you provide those opportunities to your clients? We've been seeing a lot of success with that. Another idea I love And I want someone to do this because I can't think of how we could do it for our audience. But I want to do like a hackathon, even though it's not like an engineering hackathon. I want to be able to host an event 
where like you break out your ICP into teams that problem solve something. And the, I think I saw someone do something really similar with like problem solving virtual events. But can you get people to work together and meet together in a different way? Like that's something to me that's top mm-hmm. of mind right now because we're not going to be able to meet in person. No, everyone's fatigued with Zoom. Like the roundtables are the closest thing so far that we've gotten to like cultivating something that feels more important, more personal, but maybe someone can use the hackathon idea and do something cool. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's money. That's money. Um, so many good takes. Content-based networking. Yes. Uh, it's got my wheel spinning. Catherine, uh, thank you so much for being on the 3C podcast. It's been, as always, good to catch up. Awesome to hear about what narrative science is doing. Um, definitely, when, when, when you get the hackathon under your belt, let me know so we can talk about it next time. Of course. Thanks, Brett. This was a lot of fun. See ya. Content-based networking. Man, it makes a lot of sense to me. I'm telling you. I think that's something I've been kind of doing, but I'm not really sure. I had the notepad out. I was taking some notes. Catherine is just such a bright young marketer. I am excited to watch what she is doing over at Narrative Science and beyond. If you like what you're hearing on the show, don't you forget to hit that subscribe button. If you want to give me some feedback, you can follow me at Indy McGrath. Shoot me a DM. Shoot me something on Twitter. I'd love to start the conversation there. We'll be back next week. We always will. Monday, Friday episodes. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Bye.